Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. I'm Ann Handley, your host, and today I'm very pleased to have with us Aaron Jodka, who is with Na- Colliers. He's the National Director of Capital Markets Research. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's a mouthful, I guess, to say, huh? Well, welcome, Aaron. I'm so pleased to have you here. Thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, inviting me. Great. Um, talk, uh, you know, whenever you try to recap someone's bio, you never do it justice. And I might highlight points that you don't necessarily uh, want highlighted and forget other ones. So give us, give us for the listeners here, give us a quick background um, on you and what got you to being, I think your national research for all property types. So, you know, how in the heck do you get familiar with all that? And, and, and tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I, I was fortunate to start at a company called Property and Portfolio Research right out of college. Um, and that was essentially my master's of real estate education, covering a number of different markets, working with our clients across the board, both debt, equity, private and public, um, advising them on their real estate strategies. Um, ended up working there for a number of years. We were acquired by CoStar Group in 2009. So worked there for a number of years and joined Colliers in 2016, covering the Boston market. Um, And more recently, uh, really since the pandemic began, uh, started doing some more blogging and writing on different topics that were relevant to the marketplace when everything stopped and we didn't know what was happening Mm -hmm. next, trying to get some of that that, that market intel out, um, advise our clients. um, and, And it turned into an opportunity to lead our capital markets research here at Collier's, which has been a wonderful experience. So how long have you been in the market? I was looking, you've, you've been here. Uh, since 2005. Five, yeah. So you've, you've seen <laughs> probably a, you've got like a boot camp of, you know, research available to you in these last, uh, what, 17, 18 years. Yeah. That's, we've been through almost everything. We probably never could have envisioned we'd ever experienced in that time. Right. As a, as Go a, figure, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I do say it's sometimes it's really fun to be a researcher. <laughs> I'm glad you do it, actually. Um, so what are the hottest? I, I can't even imagine when we talked about having this, uh, having you on this podcast, I was thinking I should probably warn all the listeners to put your seatbelts on because this could be a bumpy ride, right? We've got so many things going on that are affecting capital markets today. I can think of, you know, interest. I mean, first of all, it'd be hard to think of anything that is not changing, right? So you got interest. Mm straight movement and markets are all readjusting and talk to us a little bit about what the hottest, you know, biggest impact to capital markets right now is. It, it really is interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's a number of different factors that are at play beyond that, but interest rates are right now the hottest topic. What is it doing to borrowing rates? What does that mean for pricing? Bid ask spreads as they're taking place in the market for properties for sale, what a, a buyer is able to pay. Um, and frankly, you, you can't pay 2021 pricing any longer in 2022 in a higher interest rate environment if you have leverage. Cash buyers, it's a different story. 1031 exchange deals, things of that nature, they, they have a, an immediacy to transact due to, to tax rules. Um, so there's still an impetus to, to transact there. But highly leveraged uh, transactions, they just don't work the way they did last year. So borrowing rates have increased. Um, most recently, looking here um, on the 20th, the uh, 10-year treasury was north of 4.2%. Uh, we haven't been at that level in quite some time. And that, in turn, is, is causing borrowing rates to increase. So uh, that's really caused a slowdown in markets. And we've seen that for several quarters. It's now starting to hit the transactional data. And you're really seeing that slowdown now that the third quarter data is released from Real Capital Analytics. 
you can see that. Um, but we've been feeling it on the ground for many, many months. You know, sometimes when uh, things are moving like that, you can say, well, I'm just going to wait until next year and then I'll do the transaction. But does there any do you have any research to support or any thoughts on, you know, what's going to happen in the future on these rates? I mean, are they going to, you know, come right back down next year or is this, a, you know, I know you don't know, yeah, but I'm just, it's, you know. it's, it's, it's an open-ended question. Um, in the near term, there's an expectation for continued fed um, intervention, increasing their overnight borrowing rates. Um, inflation is stick is sticking around. It hasn't been particularly transitory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's become fairly entrenched and the fed has, signal that their job is to get rid of that inflation and to stabilize prices. That may cause a slowdown in the job market. It may cause job losses and potentially a recession. Uh, They are trying to thread a very fine needle, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, Whether or not they'll be able to do that, we we will see. Um, But the near-term expectation is for increasing interest rates. What happens in 2023 is still an open question. That's where you might see things start to uh, readjust and rates come back down if inflation is in fact tamed and the economy is sluggish or slowing down, there may be a reason for the Fed to lower those rates to increase um, demand again. Um, but it, it's a it's a very fine line. And frankly, we haven't had meaningful inflation in this country in 40 years. Yeah. So commercial real estate 40 years ago was not anything close to the investment class industry that it is today. Back then, it was pretty much the bank that owned the building, and they occupied it. And every once in a while, they'd trade it um, because they'd build a new one. But for the most part, it was a very small, fragmented marketplace. Um, So there's limited experience here in the U.S., anyhow, of commercial real estate investment in an inflationary environment. That's real interesting. And you know what? what I, I, I started in commercial real estate like 40 years ago, and I do recall... Um, it was, in fact, I was always in servicing and servicing was always the, you just sort of the back office, you know, you just do your little job back there. Um, and then, you know, we watched it become a, a commodity business and there's companies that are, you know, created just to originate mm-hmm. and sell off all these deals. So yeah, it's, it's completely turned and changed 180 degrees in, you know, these 40 years. Um, I know you've probably been around to watch all that, but it was uh, definitely interesting. Uh, do you find that these um, changes and in the interest rate movement and all that, are, are they causing, are you seeing much um, sort of, are you seeing many people back out of deals that were in the midst mm. of a transaction or are you seeing a lot of that? They are. Yes. So costs have have increased for for a number of different factors. Thinking on the multifamily side, for example, the cost of insurance has escalated, particularly in places like Florida. We just saw Hurricane Ian um, come through um, several weeks ago, um, further heightening the risk that's involved with with some of this ownership. So we've seen cases where previous insurance rates have doubled, tripled, quadrupled in, you know, during underwriting and, and during due diligence. Mm. And that can, can sink, you know, sink a deal, unfortunately. Um, there's other costs that are, that are rising with, with operations as well. But yes, we've seen deals retraded. We've seen deals pulled off the market. And we've also seen folks walk away from hard money um, that, that was deposited. Mm. Wow. Um, is it any particular asset class or geographic location? Or that's just kind of a nationwide thing, right? Yeah, it's a little bit of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain pockets that are that are still very strong. Um, in industrial, for example, the Inland Empire, 
New Jersey, those markets have so far been essentially rock solid. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing very, very well. Um, but other markets, we've, we've seen some retrading. We've seen some activity just slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of the concerns. We've also seen, part of it is, is benchmarking. 2021 was an absolutely phenomenal year. Pick pick a superlative, it, it, it matched that, if not exceeded it. Um, using that as the go forward rate is very difficult. So saying, well, volume is going to be stronger mm-hmm. in Q3 than it was last year was going to be difficult to begin with, let alone in an environment with rising interest rates. Major money center banks have reduced their lending or have hit their caps on real estate allocations this year, which shrinks the market in some capacities. Um, so it was going to be increasingly more challenging to set new records in 2022. Um, but generally speaking, we are, we're seeing a, a dislocation in the market and we're trying to figure out, bridge that gap yeah. um, with, with our clients. And some are continuing to transact. Some are holding off and waiting to see what happens. Um, and it really depends on on the asset and their financial positioning. It's funny because I think it seems like almost all um, I've never spent my time alone on research, but just everything I read and look at seems like we always um, draw our conclusions based on historical data, right? So you can say year over year this has happened, or compared to last year, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I imagine the last, I mean, last few years are you can't do that. You can't say compared, like you said, 22 to 21. Well, that's not fair, but you also can't compare it to 20 because that's not right. Correct. I don't know if 19 is even, you know, so how the heck do you even, uh, <laughs> you know, what do you measure, yeah, how do you measure it, this stuff? Yeah. It, it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes looking at longer term trends will help really put things into context. So looking at 2019 and the few years before that, when market conditions were good, economic conditions were fine, we didn't have the interest rate environment we have today, but um, it also wasn't at record lows either. So there's a little bit of a normalcy in there. Um, gives you a sense of where volume could be, should be, um, what current volume is compared to those time periods. And Q3 was still strong relative to pre-2021. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. When you compare 2015, 16, 17, et cetera, it, it was a really strong third quarter. Um, fourth quarter is generally the strongest of the year. Um, and we would expect that to be the case as well, um, but it will not be as strong as 2021. So looking at trends over time will, will certainly matter, comparing and contrasting interest rate environments, economic conditions. Um, it, it's a little bit of art and a little bit of science. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, are there any asset classes that are, uh, well, I guess that, that I was going to ask a dumb question. What asset classes are probably more stable than others and which ones do you you know, are you focused on more than others? So it's going to depend on what sort of side of the uh, investment equation you're, you're on. Mm-hmm. If you're not looking to transact, industrial, multifamily look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, strong occupancies, record occupancies, um, still strong rent growth, still just overall good demographics and um, tailwinds in, in that industry. If you're trying to sell, the, the you know, buyers are looking for a little bit of a discount. Um, but from a fundamental standpoint, those markets are, are, are terrific. Like science is very intriguing. A number of alternative assets such as data centers, which has become such an in, in irreplaceable piece of infrastructure uh, yeah. as well as general real estate investment. So you have capital coming from an infrastructure fund standpoint, as well as a commercial real estate 
investment standpoint. So really interesting liquidity there, but it's an asset class that not everyone understands. So mm-hmm. you have some some, some uh, you know, learning curve there. Um, we, we like self-storage. Um, that is performing quite well. And you have the ability to adjust rates relatively quickly. Um, and student housing is also very strong. Uh, we've seen a mm-hmm. real return to college and, and classes and that's that's a good story there. Well, that's interesting because I've, I've heard mixed reviews on um, student housing, but you are seeing in general that that's doing better. Even our foreign students, are uh, you seeing them come back into colleges in the U.S. too? Or yeah. They are not to the same levels we had pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, that, that is still taking some time to, to work through. Uh, but yes, we've seen a, a massive exactly. return, particularly in your in your big conference schools, if you right. will. Um, that That's really where the strength is. Um, mm-hmm. As you get down to smaller and smaller colleges and universities, the demand pool does dry up and right. get smaller and create some potential volatility there. Right. But there's also some small markets where you know, those those fundamentals mm-hmm. have been really rock solid for a long time. Right. Um, let me ask you another question. I'm kind of, I'm sort of doing my own research or taking a poll on this as I, as I uh, talk to people, but and I think there's there's so many different opinions. I'd love to kind of hear them. But office, the the, the state of our office buildings, um, you mentioned sort of the life science component. And mm-hmm. there's, there's other uses for some of this office that may not be used in the way pre it was pre-COVID. But how in general would you um, recap the office space and office buildings and where we're going in the next few years relative to office? Yeah, office is a fascinating case study right now, uh, where on the one hand, you have tremendous demand in trophy class A, true best of the best assets. Um, There's a flight to quality and and those assets are performing tremendously well. New is winning, LEED certified, ESG compliant type of buildings are are really doing phenomenally. Um, On the other, CBDs have, have slumped a little bit. And for the first time in our data, we had suburban vacancies lower than CBD in Q2. Hmm. So we'd never seen that sort of flip-flop before. Um, So we're seeing a bit of a shift in location at the moment. And the return to office is is also proving slow. Um, Mm -hmm. It's improving, no doubt about it, particularly Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And that seems to be the new in-office work week um, (laughs) for for many companies. Other companies are in every single day, of course, but um, it's... It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic where it will be very different market to market, day to day, um, and depending on the industries that are there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so class A outperforming class B, generally speaking, certain cities outperforming others, and it may not be the normal cities that have historically outperformed. So it's, it, it's very interesting to watch that dynamic play out in, in real time. And then from a conversion standpoint, we mentioned life science. There's tremendous demand for that in major cities, particularly the Bay Area, Boston, San Diego, Philadelphia, and and a handful of others. Um, That's a viable alternative today. Residential is also something that groups are looking for. And we've seen some buildings in Chicago, for example, um, earmarked for conversion. Usually, though, you need to have some kind of a, a loss event to have that office building essentially vacated in order to become multifamily, uh, particularly on the, on the residential conversion side. So oftentimes that's the lenders taking the building back or special servicing has come into place and um, th- there's been a, uh, a loss. So um, there's time for that to still play out and there could be more in the future, but it's not an instant you know, 
financial feasibility of, well, this is an office building. I don't want to keep it office anymore. Go to my banker and say, man, can I have another $200 million to convert this to residential? Yeah. Your banker's probably going to say yeah. no. Um, <laughs> Pay so me off and then you can go do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So um, there's there's a little bit of a, a, a time delay here before some of this office can be repurposed. And then yeah. out in the suburbs, yeah. we've also seen industrial perform so well that suburban office campuses, which oftentimes are on major land parcels, can be purchased essentially for land value or slightly above, scrap the building and, and build a new distribution warehouse. And, and those plays, not so much a conversion as it is a teardown rebuild, have also um, helped in the suburbs. I can't even imagine how you do your job with, again, with all the moving parts, you know, pre-COVID, I think it would have been a lot easier to, you know, look at all the last year's data and can draw conclusions, but there's so many big things that have happened in the last few years that so many changes, you know, retail in the last five years has now changed dramatically. Office will probably change and how we don't know. That's what I'm hearing consistently. So we're all watching mm-hmm. to see what happens. Um, and it'll all, it's just an adjustment. It's not like it's all yes. falling off a cliff or anything. It looks like for the most part from what I see, uh, and I'd love to hear your confirmation or otherwise, that hospitality for the most part has, you know, we've gotten through COVID and it's now starting to kind of stabilize and our, our vision has moved from hospitality to other asset classes if we're concerned about them. But do you see that too? Yeah. Hospitality has performed very, very well. Yeah. Um, occupancies in most cases, well, in some markets are back above pre-COVID levels and many they're not, but room rates have escalated. Mm-hmm. So overall rev par revenue per available room is at all time highs. So from a pure performance standpoint, revenue generation from those hotel operations it's never been stronger. And we saw a shift from early in the pandemic when it was extended stay properties that vastly outperformed in your upper and luxury properties uh, lagging behind. We've seen that revert. Now the extended stays continued to perform well. It's that we've seen that real strong rebound in the upper up, upscale uh, categories as well as luxury. Yeah. Um, well, I like luxury hotels. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely nice. Well, is there anything specific that you would view as sort of a hot topic or something that should be talked about that we didn't cover today? Or um, do you think we've covered the hot points? I think we've covered the hot points. To me, the the things that really stand out are the disconnect between fundamentals and the capital markets today in a number of different asset classes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we mentioned the strength in a number of them. Those fundamentals on their own should drive plenty of capital allocation. It should drive transaction volume, yet interest rates and and a general readjustment in market expectations has caused that to stop. And we don't normally see that. Typically, you're seeing fundamentals soften, rents are falling, conditions are eroding before you really see the pullback in, in investment volume. We don't see that today. Mm. And, and it, that, that's very interesting. And then again, we'd mentioned the, the benchmarking component and really understanding where we are today. You need a longer term sort of horizon to compare and contrast than simply last year. And, and that goes for um, many asset classes as well beyond commercial real estate. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, Aaron, it has been very insightful. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And um, uh, I'm sure there'll be, uh, there's so many moving parts that uh, love to do this again with you at some point in the next, you know, couple months. When, when we first talked and set this up, things weren't even where they are today. So, you know, it's never ending, never, never uh, always moving and always changing, but that's what makes it exciting. I think it sure anyway, is. yeah, it's a good business to be in. Well, thank you again for your time. Appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day and um, we'll be in touch. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.